0: Good morning. morning. Happy New Year. Can we put our slide up, please? Happy New Year, Happy New Year. So uh, every culture has different ways of celebrating New Year's. And uh, I know that in our general culture, culturally speaking, for New Year's oftentimes we think about setting goals, New Year's resolutions exercising, losing weight, etc., etc. et cetera. So, uh, but I think actually New Year's is a great opportunity not just to look ahead and set goals, but really to take some time and to look back. So one of the things that I've started to do in the last few years is actually around New Year's to make sure that I take some time every year to just pause and look back and ask the question of, God, what is it about this past year that I haven't seen or understood or recognized that you would want me to see and recognize and understand? I've had kind of a challenging year when I look back. So there's been uh, some medical issues in the family. We had a death in the family. We moved. It's like some, all the biggest stressors that kind of on that stress list, we kind of hit them all. And so, when I look back, there's some things that I'm still trying to make sense of and asking God to help me see. But sometimes, when things happen, we don't quite understand why God allows it to happen or why it went the way it did. So, as you think back over your last year, what things might have happened or might be currently happening today in our world, in our community? in our families, in your lives, that you just can't quite see what God is doing in the midst of it. You just can't quite understand why God allows it to happen. And when you think about those things, what do you do? What do you do when there's something about your life or about the world that you just can't understand and can't see what God is doing? Have there been things that as you look back, you realize, you know, I didn't quite understand what that was about, but now I actually see it. Or when you look back, has there been something that has happened and you didn't quite understand what was going on until somebody helped you to see and understand something that you didn't see or understand? So one of the things I love the most about the Bible is that it's full of stories of people who have lived life and encountered life situations much like the ones that we encounter in our lives. And... What happens to them and how God interacts with them helps me to see and understand my own life. So this morning, as we prepare to hear from God's word, would you join with me as we pray together? Okay, let's take a moment and pray. God, thank you. Thank you that you are a God who sees us. Thank you that even when we don't understand and when we don't see, that you are there and that you see. Lord, we thank you that we know that you are good all the time and all the time you are good, even in the moments and in those times when we don't see it and when we don't feel it. And so this morning, Lord, as we open your word together, come Holy Spirit, come and help us see you and recognize you and help us to understand Lord you know the places in our lives and in our hearts in our minds in the places that are blind and need to see and need to understand so come and bring your understanding we pray in the name of Jesus amen so this morning we're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 24 together and it's important to remember what happened right before this So right before this, Jesus was crucified. And let's think about that for a moment. That was a horrible, unjust, and terrible thing. So the Roman empire and its powers colluded with the religious and political leaders of the time, and in their powers, they abused their powers and they oppressed and killed Jesus. Jesus, who was a prophet and teacher and was going around doing miracles and loving and caring for people, and yet this terrible system and these leaders came and killed him. So let's imagine what it must have felt like. If you were one of the disciples, one of the people who was following him and walking around with him, following him, seeing what he has done, imagine what it must have felt like. I think they probably felt scared. What if I also get caught up? Felt nervous and anxious, not knowing what was gonna happen. Sad, deeply, deeply sad. We just lost someone in our family. The kind of grief, and grief comes in waves, but the kind of grief and sadness that they must have felt. The kind of disappointment that they must have felt. They had all sorts of expectations of what Jesus would do and now he's dead. The kind of disappointment and failed expectations. They must have been heartbroken. This is someone who loved them and that they loved. They must have been heartbroken that all this has happened. So this is what's going on as we come into Luke chapter 24. So verse one. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they, the women, came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, I'm going to pause here for a moment. So these are the women who have been following Jesus for the last few years. And we're told that at the the crucifixion, they stood by watching. As soon as Sunday day breaks, they come to perform a religious ritual. It's a sacred act of love despite what they must have been feeling. So despite all the fears, all the anxiety, all the sadness, all the grief, all the disappointment, all the things that they must have been wrestling with, all the confusion that they must have been feeling of, why did this happen? Why did it go down like this? What's going to happen now? What am I supposed to do? Who's going to lead us? All these questions. And as despite the ways that they're struggling to make sense of the pain and the suffering and the injustice that was happening around them, they do this. They actually do a sacred spiritual practice that people in that culture do, right? They're cleaning and preparing the body with spices. They perform one last act of love for the one that they love. So friends, when things happen, when things don't make sense, when terrible things happen, we're tempted, I think, naturally, in our grief, in our pain, in our suffering, uh, to do a few things. Some of us cope. I don't know how you cope, but many of us cope, right? So some of us may sleep a lot. I watch a lot of C-dramas and K-dramas, right? Some of us work harder we just pour our energy into working harder. Some of of us tend to gossip, some of us vilify people. When we see things happen the way that we don't want it to happen, we're tempted to cope. Or we withdraw, we pull away, we walk away from God. We don't want to talk to God about it because it's too painful. The things that I love about these women is that despite all the feelings they were feeling, despite all the things that was happening around them, they come and they perform this sacred spiritual practice. Friends, what are the things that are happening in our world today, in your communities, in your families, in your life, that you also feel perplexed, grieved, sad, or angry about? I mean, I probably would have felt really angry if I were these women. How could these people do this to Jesus? Are there unjust things as you look around that makes you angry and confused? So in the last few years, there's been many things that have been happening, and as I see unjust things happening to the most vulnerable people among us, I felt perplexed. I feel perplexed, grieved, and confused. And I've needed to lean into some of these spiritual practices. Prayer, talking to God, and sometimes you know what? It's so painful that I don't have words. I don't even know how to pray. I don't even know how to talk to God about it because I feel so mad or I feel so sad. And this is where some of the liturgical prayers from the past, prayers that people have prayed for centuries have really helped me, giving me words that I don't have myself. Worship. In this last year when all these challenging things have happened, There's been some worship songs that have some lines that have been lifelines for me. So there's a particular song that talks about God being the way maker, the way maker, the miracle worker. And that's what what I needed him to be. And those, those words from that worship song and pressing into the sacred practice of worship has been lifelines for me. Reading the word of God, even when I don't quite see it happening and when I don't quite understand it, continuing the practice of giving financially and supporting organizations that love and serve those who are the most vulnerable and poor among us. Those are sacred spiritual practices that I have had to lean into in these days of pain and grief and confusion. So friends, what are some sacred spiritual practices that you use, that you employ, that you adopt in your life to help you be anchored in these days of many storms? I love this picture because as you look at the women at the tomb I mean look at their faces, the kind of grief and the kind of like downcastness, they had the weight of that pain on their shoulders, and yet, despite all those feelings, despite reality, they come to the tomb and they employ the sacred spiritual practice. Verse four. Verse eight, then they remembered his words. Then they remembered his words. So Jesus did tell them that this was gonna happen, but in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the confusion, in the midst of the terrifying injustice, they were perplexed and they didn't remember. But notice, because they chose to do this, because they chose to come to the tomb anyway, despite how they were feeling, they gave an opportunity for them. They were met by the messengers of God. They were met by the messengers of God who reminded them of what Jesus had said. This is what theologically is called illumination, right? God's messengers highlighting and illuminating God's word to us that might not have meant anything before, but now brings understanding. So many of us in this room have read many, 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 many Bible verses, Lots and lots and lots of times. But sometimes we don't remember. We don't remember and we don't understand how that connects to the reality that we're experiencing. These women, because despite their feelings, they came performing, adopting the sacred spiritual practice, they gave an opportunity for God's messenger to speak to them, to illuminate what that word means. So recently, I was in a conflict uh, with some folks, and uh, it was one of those things I prayed about it, and you know, there's lots of verses about conflict in the Bible and what we're supposed to do about it. But to be honest, I really didn't, I just wanted to get away from the situation, and I wish that the people would just disappear from my life is really in reality how I felt. And so I remember one morning I was praying about it and uh, I felt like the Lord said to me, love your neighbor as yourself. I said, Lord, it's not what we're talking about here. (laughs) But then I felt like the Lord said again, love your neighbor as as yourself. So that morning I kind of, Tucked that away in the back of my mind. And that day, actually, I had a phone call with a a mentor of mine because I felt really stuck in that anger. I felt stuck in that situation. I didn't know how to get myself out of it. So I had a phone call with her. And essentially what she said to me in that phone call was, what do you think these people feel? What's it like for those people? Essentially, love your neighbor as yourself. And that really helped me to understand what was going on. Now, it didn't change the situation but it changed me. And so when we are in times of, when we feel perplexed, when we feel confused, when we feel stuck, when we actually press in to Jesus, that's when we give God an opportunity to come and illuminate a word. Verse nine. And returning from the tomb, they told all this to, be to the 11 and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this, to the apostles. So the women see this happen, they encounter this, they make sense of what was happening, and then they come and they tell the apostles what happened. Verse 11, but these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. And they did not believe them. Sometimes God tells us stuff and we're supposed to tell other people. But that doesn't mean that they will always believe us. The apostles who were supposed to be so close to Jesus, they didn't believe what these women said. Verse 12, but Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves. Then he went home amazed at what had happened. Slide, please. So even though they didn't believe these women, because the women chose to share and testify to what God has said, Peter, this is what I love about Peter, he didn't believe it, but he went to check it out himself. Okay? I love that about Peter. Friends, sometimes there are things that you hear about God and you find that it's really hard to believe. That it's really, really hard to believe. Don't just be like some of the others and say, well, I don't believe it. Try to be like a Peter, go and check it out yourself. So Peter runs to the tomb and he looks at it and then he's amazed because he doesn't find anything. So, and he's like, what does amaze mean? It means bewildered, it means astonished. He doesn't know what to do with it, but it's because of the women's testimony that he went there. Some of us in this room have seen and heard some things about God that actually makes sense of what's going on. And we're actually supposed to share it. Like the women, we're supposed to share it, even if people around us don't believe it, because there will be some Peters who will then go check it out for themselves. Let's continue, verse 13. Now on that same day, two of them, okay, so one scene here, right? This was in Jerusalem, and now if you were in the movie, we're now in a different scene, cut. To a different scene, okay? Verse 13. Now, on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And talking with each other about all these things that had happened, while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. So these disciples, they were in the process of grieving, of feeling sad, of being confused by what was happening. We don't really know. It doesn't say here what kept their eyes from recognizing him. Can you go back to that slide? We don't know what kept their eyes from recognizing him, but what, was it grief? Was it their disappointment with how things has turned out? I think that's what might be some of those things because it's really natural. Friends, it's natural for us in life when things don't turn out the way we want it to, when things don't turn out the way that we expected, when things don't happen in the path and in the way that we thought it would. It's natural for our pain, our disappointment, our confusion to keep us from recognizing Jesus. Verse 18. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place here in these days? And he asked them, what things? I love it, Jesus is so sneaky. (laughs) They replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. But we had hoped. Friends, what are the things that you had hoped would happen? What are the things that you had expected and wished that would happen in our world, in our community, in our homes, in our church? We have certain expectations and we want things to go a certain way. And yet, just like these disciples, we had hoped. We had hoped. And just like them, we become disappointed. And we have a hard time seeing and recognizing God in the midst of our disappointment, in the midst of our pain, and in the midst of our confusion. Failed expectations. So there's a phrase in Chinese that says... uh, and I feel like this, this verse when it says, but we had hope, and I just feel this like bitterness, is what we say in Chinese. It's like a, a very deeply sorrowful and very bitter feeling around that phrase. And maybe that's what we feel. Maybe some of us in this room are feeling that bitterness, that soreness, that anguish of some failed expectations. Verse 22, Moreover, some women of our group astounded us they were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory. Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. Okay, so what's happening here? They're confused. They don't understand, even though the women had testified to them. They still don't understand. Jesus comes in that process and interprets the scriptures to them, brings understanding of God's word. Verse 28, as they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he was going to go on. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, because this is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. And so he went in to stay with them. Verse 30, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, Blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Then their eyes were opened and recognized him. So when Jesus interprets the scriptures to them, I think it's a process, right? When Jesus interprets the scriptures, it's speaking to their minds, it's helping them understand with their minds, for lack of better words, it's really English sometimes just doesn't capture all the nuances, right? But it it speaks to them and tries to help them understand here. But when Jesus breaks bread with them, he helps them to understand here. So in eating with Jesus, Middle Eastern practice, Middle Eastern culture, eating together is one of the most intimate relational things you can do with a person. I was trying to think of what might be the equivalent here. I don't know, uh, having coffee sometimes in some cultures is still eating together. But whatever that most intimate thing it is in your culture, the most relational thing, that's what Jesus is doing with them. Jesus is relating to them. And it is in that time that their eyes are opened. Sometimes there's a process where people need to testify to us, we need to understand in our head, and we need to get it here in our hearts that then we are able to see. Verse 33. That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Okay, so Jesus appears to Simon while all this is happening and they're trying to figure out what's happening. So two things are happening. But they, what happens? They get up and they go back. Wasn't it just a few verses ago when they told Jesus, don't go back? Well, it's because it's a three and a half hour walk from Emmaus back to Jerusalem. You're thinking, no big deal. Well, let's remember here, this is not back in the day where there's like street lights, freeways. I mean, we're talking about rural roads with no lights. And so for them to go right back and tell these disciples what had happened on the road and how Jesus had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. These folks, they experienced and they understood something about God. And instead of waiting the night, instead of withholding that that understanding, that experience, they went back right away and shared it. Friends, there are some of us here who have seen something about God. We have heard something from the Lord, and it is meant to be shared. We are meant to actually witness about that, testify about that, instead of withholding that. Instead of spending the night, we're actually supposed to get on the road right away and go tell these disciples. Why? Because these folks needed to know. It was part of their process of recognizing God. Some of us here, and essentially, what are these folks? They were God's messengers back to the community to help these other folks understand and recognize God. Some of us here, God is calling to be messengers of God, to actually bring that good news and bring that explanation, bring that interpretation, bring that experience, and actually help people see and recognize God instead of waiting and withholding. I love this picture because it's a process. It's a process of many different pieces of, the, of adopting and leaning into sacred spiritual practices, of God's messenger coming in and illuminating, of Jesus interpreting the scriptures, of eating together, communing with Jesus relationally, and then these disciples once again testifying and witnessing. It's a process, and it's a communal picture. See how many people were involved in this, in this entire process of recognizing and understanding what God is doing? So, what have we learned? We go to that chart. There's a few things that we've learned. Observing some sacred spiritual practices. Encountering God's messengers. Remembering God's word. Breaking bread with Jesus and witnessing and testifying to what we see and hear. So, sometimes it's hard to witness and testify because people don't believe us. And the women, right? The women testified, Well, that's and they didn't believe them. And it makes sense. Back in that culture, women were not actually counted as valid witnesses in court. Because in that culture, women were not considered fully human. They were not fully credible witnesses. And maybe some of us feel that way. Maybe some of us feel like because we're really young, middle schoolers in our midst, Because we're really young, our our witness, our testifying about God is not quite credible. Or whatever reason, because we're this, because we're that, because we're not eloquent, because we don't know enough, because we don't have a theology degree, because, I mean, you can just name whatever reasons. There are many reasons when we feel like we're not, our our witness is maybe not credible. Well, the encouragement here is, even though the, I mean, do you think the women didn't know that about themselves? No, they knew. (laughs) They knew that the culture didn't value them. But regardless, they still went and told the disciples because people needed to know. People needed to know about God. So I want to actually ask us to do a few moments of reflection. What are some things that you have experienced in this past year or maybe that you're currently experiencing that you're struggling to make sense of that you're struggling to see what God is doing, that you're wrestling and trying to figure out why, why did it happen, why did it go that way? Maybe there's some disappointments and pain and suffering and confusion that you're experiencing. What are those things? And from today's passage, what can you apply? What are some spiritual practices that you can adopt? What are some places when you can maybe open yourself to God's message? What are some of God's words that maybe He wants you to remember? What are ways that you can press into relationship with Jesus? And maybe what are some of the things that you're supposed to witness and testify about? So I wanna give us actually uh, a moment to reflect on that. So I'm gonna give us just a, a short time to pray and ask that God would speak to us. And uh, so let's just take a moment and then I will close us in a moment. God, thank you that you are good all the time, and all the time you are good, even in the moments and in the times when we don't see it and we don't feel it. Lord, thank you for how patient you are with us. And uh, I just feel like there are some folks here in this room, uh, we've been coping, we have felt the pain and the suffering and we have felt the disappointment and the confusion and we've kind of walked away from god we've withdrawn ourselves from god and we've been coping in some ways and i just hear the lord's invitation to you come back come back lord thank you for inviting us back to you even when we have walked away from you or when, even when we have coped and turned to other things and when we have withdrawn from you in our pain. Thank you for your invitation back. And there's some of us here that uh, I think you know that the Lord is asking you to witness about him and testify about him, and you feel some anxiety and some fear about that. So I wanna pray for you if that's the case. Lord, thank you that you call us to share with others about who you are. Um, And thank you for the experiences that we have had with you. And so I wanna pray for those uh, of us who feel that nudge from you, that there are some people that we're supposed to share about you with. And I just wanna bring our fear and anxiety about that to you. I pray for courage. And I pray actually for a deep love. Thank you that um, you love the folks that are having a hard time seeing you and that you want to call us to be your messengers to help us help people see you and recognize you. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you are patient with us, that you walk in this process with us, and you'll never leave or forsake us. And so, Lord, I want to pray for those places where we have. Uh, misunderstood you, and need recognition of you. Pray for those places where we have been blinded to you and your presence. Come and heal our blindness. Come and help us to recognize you. And we pray this in Jesus' name.